Hello, everyone. My name is Mark Vena, and welcome to the Smart Tech Check podcast, where we cover all tech topics that are smart home, home automation, security, and console gaming related. Today is Thursday, March 11, 2021. I hope everyone is safe and well. Uh, for today's podcast, I'd like to be, I'm going to be joined by veteran tech journalist Walt Mossberg, a guy that probably needs no introduction. Walt, thank you for wearing the, um, the Red Sox shirt. I, I suppose I have to pay you an extra fee for appearing on the, on the podcast for that. You can uh, send but... that right to Fenway Park. <laughs> but, you know, you, you and I go back a long time. We go back over 20 years to back to my early days, compact. Uh, we never, we typically have our holiday lunch. Um, we were just talking about it before we began the recording uh, down at that Morton's um, across the street from the, uh, your, that the wall street uh, journal office that you worked at. And we've probably been doing that for about 10 years, but I'm so really uh, glad to, uh, get a hold of you, kind of catch up on life in general. But how are you doing amid all this craziness? How are things in the Mossberg household? We're fine. Uh, and our children and grandchildren who are scattered around the country are fine. We are halfway, my wife and I are halfway through our vaccination. Uh, we got that. the first shot and, you know, in a couple of weeks, we'll go for our second uh, and I hope final shot. And um but, uh, you know, we're fine and, and uh, we're looking forward to the summer when I think things could be, from what I read, uh, uh, sort of almost back to normal. And that would be great. Well, I'm dying to go see a ball game with you. We've been talking about that for a long time. Yeah. And uh, I've never been down to Camden Yards, uh, which is shocking because I'm a big fan of oh, one of the different great, ballparks. Great park, yeah. Well, we're definitely going to do that. And uh, it will happen during the course of the summer, although it will be a Yankee game because I can't go see the Orioles. That's fine. But... <laughs> I'll, I, I, I've been to many, many Yankee games, as, as you can imagine. I know. And the Steinbrenner family still has not thrown you out of the stadium, which is, which is no, really, they, I get, <laughs> I get welcomed. I get, I get ballet service, white club <laughs> service when I show up. Well, Hey, listen, I want to talk a little bit about the smart home because that's a category that I cover and I'm pretty close to that. Uh, uh, the, all the wonderful solutions that are appearing in that, um, in that, in that category. But you know, when you and I were exchanging emails a couple of days ago, is, is it too hard for me to say that you're a skeptic of the smart home? Is that too, too unfair a phrase? No, no, no. It's a perfectly fair fit uh, phrase and it might even be too soft. Uh, I, I am very, I'm, uh, I'm a major skeptic about it. Um, and not, not about whether it'll be a big business at some point, I mean, a really big business, not about whether all homes that will be built someday will have all of this built into them, which I think is probably the better solution ultimately. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm not skeptical about that. I'm a big skeptic about uh, privacy and security uh, uh, in the current, at the current stage. And mm -hmm. uh, so let me just describe my house. I live in uh, uh, Maryland in the, I'm about uh, 15 miles from the White House. So I'm in a suburb of DC, but it's in Maryland. And it's, you know, a typical suburban East Coast house. And um, I have nothing 
in the way of smart home stuff in this house. That's shocking. That is shocking. It's shocking to me on such a biblical level. I mean, no, not even a ring doorbell or a really. Um, And I'll tell you why. Uh, You know that uh, we've, like you said, we've known each other a very long time. And people who have read my column, uh, my columns, which I wrote for 27 years, know that I uh, enjoy uh, new kinds of gadgets and uh, trying them out. And I own many tech devices. Um, and uh, I mean, I'm doing this podcast on a brand new Mac- MacBook Air with the M1 processor in it. And I ordered that within a few days of them announcing it. Um, uh, you know, I, I'm... I'm a, I'm a tech person, but I have no interest. In fact, I'm, I'm quite opposed to filling my house with microphones and cameras. Mm-hmm. And that's because we both know that everything can be hacked, that that includes outside hackers and hackers inside these companies that make this stuff. And I don't want stuff that goes on in my house. Not that anything nefarious goes on in my house. It's pretty dull, but I don't want it uh, going up to somebody's cloud. And um, so uh, I don't have any of this stuff. Now, part of that also is I'm personally and my wife personally, we're not interested in multicolored light bulbs. (laughs) And, and, and we don't, you know, we don't feel the need for uh, starting the coffee maker before we've come down from bed in the morning. I mean, it's just, those are not, you know, I don't want a Wi-Fi connected microwave unless it does something for me that would be really useful. Uh, if it, I don't know, automatically heated up the oatmeal in the morning and made dinner, uh, I might do it. Um, so uh, uh, we just well, don't. But, but you're making two observations now. Well, but, but I, I want to kind of bifurcate a couple of things. The privacy thing I want to go into, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. But if, the, if there were not privacy issues, which is a big leap because there are privacy issues. But if that was put aside, uh, you put that aside, are there any usage models that you could say, you know what, it, it might be nice to have a thermostat. I mean, do you have a Nest thermostat? I mean, I'll be shocked if you tell me you don't even have a ther- Nest, uh, not even a Nest thermostat. No, I don't. So the, the Mossberg household is completely devoid of any smart home. Who owns Nest? I know who owns Nest. It's a company Ooh. that begins with G. Google. Yes. Google. And what is Google's main business? Advertising. And and what kind of advertising? Advertising that is based on theft of privacy. Mm-hmm. That is what it is. And all any Nest device you have, I don't care what they say, any if you have a Nest smoke detector, if you have a Nest thermostat, if you have a Nest camera, they are all feeding data to Google. And I'm not interested in doing that. In fact, on my 
uh, uh, laptop, on my iPad, on my phone. Uh, I'm moving away from Google. I've moved, I, in the last two years, I've moved almost entirely away from Google and found substitutes. And um, why would I put a Google pro line of products that is cap that has cameras and microphones and uh, you know transmits any kind of data back to the home base in my house? Why would I do that? Uh, so, but let me turn this around on you, okay? Because because that's not. By the way, that's not a new position for Watt Mossberg. You felt like this for quite some time. So, yeah. So the, the, oh, yeah. So, so the, the, but, 15 but, years, but, at least. But, but on the other hand, though, I know you've always been more comfortable where Apple lands. They're not perfect, but you've always been uh, more comfortable with Apple's position in, in the realm of privacy. If Apple had an Apple-branded Nest, not brand, an Apple thermostat solution, if Apple yeah, had, yeah, yeah. Would, you, would you be more comfortable equipping your home with all these you know, gadgets? So, so the answer to that question is probably, mm -hmm. but, but I'd still wanna, I'd still wanna wait and see and understand all the details of it um, before I did it. Now, one of the big differences between Apple and a lot of the other companies uh, is that Apple tries to do everything to do with machine learning and AI on the your encrypted uh, uh, password protected or uh, bio, biometric protected device on your phone, on your, you know, this laptop I'm using today has touch ID on it. Um, they try to do it all on the local device. They try to send very little, if anything, to the cloud. And so I assume based on, you know, we're talking about a hypothetical thing that if Apple decided to do a thermostat, uh, whatever was needed to do that would be uh, done uh, locally. And, it, and that doesn't bother me because it's very hard for someone to hack into something uh, unless they can get at it through the internet. And so um, uh, the answer to your question is, I would probably consider that. And I'll go further. Uh, our doorbell, our old doorbell, that's probably been on this house for 50 years broke. Uh, and we get a lot of delivery because there's a pandemic on. And, you know, we have a sign on the door that says the doorbell Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. Please knock on the door. And people do that. But I did do some research online. Uh, sadly, I forgot to prepare it for this podcast, but I found a doorbell with a camera because it's not that I think that's a bad idea mm -hmm. uh, with the, which uh, communicates via Wi-Fi to a to a ringer, or you can have multiple ringers around the house, and also to your phone, to an app, that doesn't use the cloud. It, it does the sort of Apple thing of doing the processing, saving the video locally, whatever. And uh, it's not a well-known brand. Uh, I bought it 
it might be no good, but it seemed to have good reviews. And uh, I'll let you know if I get a handyman out here to put it in. <laughs> um, so um, privacy is the big, the number one reason I don't have Alexa. I don't have Google Assistant. Uh, uh, I certainly would never buy that uh, Amazon product. They, I don't know if they've discontinued it. Remember that product they had that you were supposed to put in your bedroom? Yes. Cameras uh, to tell you how you looked, supposedly how you looked yes. uh, for the day. Uh, you know, I'm just not interested in that. The Facebook portal? I mean, come on. You would buy a, a thing with a camera on it and a microphone on it from Facebook of all companies. I mean, I would never put that in my house. No, and, and, and what I would, and you know this, I mean, because you, you are, you very much still um, keep up with, with tech news in a, big, uh, in a big way, that the smart home category, especially during the pandemic, has been a tremendously hot category from a sales standpoint. I mean, uh, the smart speakers are, are, are um, Alexa, Google class solutions are flying off the shelf. Um, uh, it, may, it may be a function that more people are home. They just have the, the time to do these kind of things. So how do you reconcile the, the concerns you have and the reasonable concerns? You know, I mean, part of, my, part of the challenge that I think that, that bothers me is that many uh, tech companies do not make it easy for you to opt out of stuff. You, you, you typically opt in and the average consumer is so excited when they get something home, they want to get it to work. They don't read the bird seed on the agreements that they're signing up to when they download these apps. They certainly don't spend a lot of time, you know, figuring out, well, hey, you know, by the way, I cannot disclose my location. There's ways of me suppressing a lot of the personal information. And they get into that situation that you're talking about where a lot of information is being shared. So how do you, do you think that it's, it's a lack of knowledge, lack of awareness? Do you think customers just, they have just said, you know what, that's a function of being in the internet age that by the way, these devices are so convenient, they offset the concerns that people have. I, I, mean, think, I think it's overwhelmingly, there's some of the last thing you said, or some, look, there are people who don't mind sharing anything mm -hmm. or everything. God bless them. Uh, as long as uh, the company is required to make it crystal clear to them, not in bird seed, but in plain English, in big letters, what's going on and get their opt in, no, no more opt out. Mm -hmm. You have to opt in. You can go back later to our special privacy page. That's the Facebook method where we have a billion levers that you have to figure out how to push and what they do. And by the way, on Facebook, and I'm not saying this is true on all the, the uh, uh, you know, uh, internet of the home stuff, but on Facebook, even if you understood every one of those and turn them all off, Facebook can still track you across the web. There's no way of turning that off. Uh, Apple is going to try. Mm -hmm. uh, but... Um, uh, so there are some people like that, but I think most people, uh, to go back to your guess, uh, just don't, they don't read it. They don't care. 
they don't understand or they, you know, they, 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 they're just excited to be able to turn their, the lights in their family room blue. <laughs> that, that's exciting to them. They're, you know, they're excited to uh, be able to turn that coffee maker on. They're excited to um, open the garage door from half a mile before they get home. If they ever get back in their car to go to work again, which mm-hmm. I think it will. Uh, so um, uh, that's it's my guess. It's just a guess. Um, I think the opt-out, opt-in thing is a hugely important thing. This is why Facebook is so maniacally upset uh, about this Apple. Yes. Um, the, the, this, this Apple thing, which people, some of the people, a lot of the people here probably know about, is just a little thing that pops up that says, Mark Vina's app, I'm just using you as an example, uh, would like to track you across the internet. Do you want to allow it? Or do you want to ask him not to do that? And um, it's very clever because asking you not to do it, if you then go and do it, could give you grounds for maybe a lawsuit, could give them grounds for throwing you off the app store. It's very interesting. Facebook, as you know, has gone just berserk about this. Now, why would they go berserk if tracking me across the web is good for me, is beneficial, is harmless? Because they're afraid people are going to say no when they're presented with a clear... Right. No, we, we, both, we, we both know that. We absolutely both know that. So, and that's, that's going to have an impact, um, by the way, I, on your I advertising. Think, I think that the apps that are the companions to a lot of these internet and the home things. I mean, I'm just guessing. I, I haven't talked to Apple about internet and the home uh, privacy in detail or Google uh, about this uh, in terms of Android, but uh, I, don't think, I don't think Android is doing this yet. They might, uh, but Apple is doing it. And soon, I think. Uh, I expect that the app portions of that, to the extent there's any tracking, uh, might, some of them at least, might get that same panel up there. Um, But I don't know. Um, This is just my, you know, my feeling and my wife's feeling about it. We've discussed it. I mean, it's not like we don't have, I mean, we have, uh, like I said, I bought that doorbell because because of the way it works. I don't mind having a camera as long as that camera, the video from that camera isn't in someone else's hands. You want it local. You want the data local. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want it local. Um, and I want to be completely in control of it. Um, and, uh, you know, just to prove, I mean, I know you don't need proof, but this, this is an article that came out at 5.53 a.m. this morning today on The Verge. Tens of thousands of Verkada, I hope I'm saying that right, cameras were easily accessible 
to employees as well as hackers. We literally had 20-year-old interns that had access to over 100,000 cameras. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's that's horrible. Is an enterprise company that is doing the same thing as the as the home companies, but doing it in offices. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, and I know that there have been many, many hacks of these internet in the home products. So privacy matters. If Apple or any other company that was doing this in a a local private way did it, I would be fascinated to try these things. And then the other thing that's very important is if we get an internet law passed by Congress that would guarantee the companies have to respect your privacy and would block some of these things. Now, I don't have great hope for that happening immediately, but I think we finally have some interest in both parties in doing that. And I saw I saw a piece the other day that there, there is a there's a there's a federal bill that apparently does have a bit of bipartisan support. Um, did you see that? I think I think the piece was in Vox, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, the other day. And uh, I, I'm optimistic that, because that somehow both parties have to come together and 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 really get to some bare bone, you know, uh, filters rules, regulations that, because there's so much inconsistency across every state, you know, some states like California have very tight, um, very tough privacy uh, laws in place. There's other states that don't have the kind that, the kind of uh, protection that you're looking for. Nothing, Mm -hmm. Uh, absolutely nothing. Uh, Excuse me. And Facebook has, you know, begun a campaign saying they want a federal law and they want regulations. And the reason for that, remember, I used to be a Washington policy reporter for 18 years before I became a tech reporter. And I covered some of these agencies and I learned the history. Uh, The reason for that was, goes all the way back to the era of the railroad robber barons. They were getting, cities and states were passing laws saying you can't run trains after 10 o'clock at night people are sleeping uh, or the train tracks have to be a certain distance from whatever. And so they lobbied for a single agency at the federal level that would preempt all the state uh, laws. And that's because they felt they could water it down more easily in Washington. Facebook has hundreds of lobbyists here and they feel they can water it down much more easily in Washington. Uh, You're you're telling me that Facebook uses uses, um, um, their political influence to influence outcomes in Washington? I'm shocked that that happens. Well, look, it's- Lobbyists, I I can't believe it. They're employing lobbyists. For a minute, I, I know some people watching this think lobbying is somehow illegal or something. I mean, lobbying has gone on since the country started. It's, there's nothing wrong with it. Every, the only problem with it is average citizens don't hire lobbyists and can't mm-hmm. hire lobbyists. That's the only problem with it. But you know, every, every industry, 
next time you, you and I get together here, I'll take you on a walking tour and show you all the buildings and offices of all the industry. Oh yeah, I, I want to. I want to bet that the, uh, the now the, the pandemic has changed this, but the the, uh, the the revenue at Morton's has gone down. And that 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 Washington Morton's has probably gone down ninety percent because when I've had lunch with you there. The families are not dining at Morton's. They're, you know, there's guys with three-piece suits, and most of them are lobbyists taking out politicians for lunch. You know, right? Or lawyers. You or know, lawyers, or lawyers, acting, regulators acting as lobbyists. So, um, yeah, that's what Facebook wants to do. Anyway, back to your yeah. main thing. Um, uh, there's another problem which I would point out, even if I was very interested in it. You know, and I know this has gotten a little bit better. Mm -hmm. I, I think um, HomeKit has finally be begun to get straightened out. That's Apple's thing, uh, for those who don't know. I'm sure all your listeners know anyway. Yes. And there are, and then I'm not sure whether Google has straightened out Nest and, you know, Nest had that thread thing. And then I, is that straightened out, Mark? No, no, not, not really. And I mean, when you look at the different standards that are out there, um, HomeKit has gotten dramatically better. It's still not perfect. Um, but I, I've recently switched myself personally but by, by, from being an, an Alexa kind of person to more of a HomeKit type of person because, A, it's gotten easier. Uh, they have a, they have a capability called scenes within within HomeKit where if I leave because my smartphone and my watch is always with me when I leave the lights can go out the TV can go out uh, the 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 thermostat can adjust obviously reflecting that I'm not home and I find convenience in that and by the way I can save money because I'm notorious for leaving the TV on all the time and leaving other things on so but um, up until recently as you know. You know, HomeKit was not the most delightful user experience, and they—they they, to, to their credit, they've made strides. They've made strides, and well, uh, and they also made a mistake, I think, at the beginning of requiring the third party. You know, you—you've written about all this, but yeah. making the third party manufacturers use a, a chip, a proprietary, uh, yeah, which added cost and complexity. And now too. they've changed it to software from hardware, and that's much easier. Right. And, um, so, you know, they're straightening it out and I'm sure Google will straighten it out and whoever else is, is involved uh, will straighten it out. Amazon will straighten it out. So, um, um, you know, I think it'll get straightened out, but I, I don't see myself rushing into it. It's kind of messy. And then I have these other problems I mentioned to you. It may be then in, then in a year, or two years, if we do this again, uh, or if we just have lunch, I'll tell you that I've converted and I've. Uh, no, I, 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 I'm I, gonna when I, when I when I come out there again, I'm gonna see if I see uh, um, Red Sox colored lighting in your home, which is, is probably what you're waiting for. And I bet if I went onto the the the, the memorabilia store, uh, part of the Red Sox site, they probably do sell smart home lights, which. <laughs> I know you'd be all over that. Well, I mean, um, it's it's just red and blue. Red, I mean, and white. No, they're, they're they already have red. that, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and 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 you know, to be just to say one more thing. I mean, one of the I would say it might be my number one or my number two reason I use an iPhone and not an Android phone is privacy and security. Oh. 
it's is it perfectly private no but it's it is heavily encrypted it's you know i pay a lot of money to them it's not like they're not interested in being a very rich company uh but they're doing it in a way that uh doesn't sell me as a product and um so uh you know uh i know android has taken some steps that way and uh but it depends on which Android maker you're talking about. Let's, let's switch gears for, for a couple of minutes because, you know, you mentioned at the top, um, you know, you were one of those guys that went out and bought the, the new MacBook um, uh, Air with the M1. You know, I did actually the same thing. Uh, I bought a Mac Mini with the M1. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, my experience has been nothing short of terrific, frankly. Uh, and uh, I've had a couple of issues in terms of, I'm not going to get technical, uh, not not because of you, but because obviously because I don't know what the general audience understands it. But there's there are some applications that have been kind of slow and coming that don't work perfectly with uh, the Rosetta Stone translation if you don't have yeah. the native app. But nothing I don't think that the mainstream user would experience. But from a value standpoint and from a performance standpoint, I think they've done a very very nice job. So I'm just curious to get your you know your experience now that you've been into it for about three or four months. I mean. I, I assume you yeah, don't regret I, the decision. I, I entirely agree with you. I, the battery life, and I had a relatively, I mean, this is, I think we have to say, if you're on a budget, if you've lost your job, if you've lost hours, whatever's happened to you during this pandemic year, um, as much as we like these products, uh, if you have a computer that works for you, you shouldn't rush out and buy them, whether it's Apple or right. a new HP computer or, a or Dell, Dell or Dell, whatever it is, uh, you know, don't, I mean, make sure you buy food and pay your rent and death stuff before you buy a new computer. But if you can afford it, um, this is a fantastic machine. Um, it is, I, I haven't, because I'm, you know, I'm retired. I'm not writing my weekly columns anymore. Uh, I um, have not done tests of battery life, but just anecdotally, this thing lasts, if I, if I don't charge it and I'm just using it sort of in a normal way, not an extra heavy way, I can go almost two days on this thing. And in terms of speed, it's fantastic. Things just launch instantly and that includes by the way at least in my case the things that have to run through rosetta we should probably explain that rosetta is, is a translation is a, software not actually an emulation thing it's a translation layer software so somebody wrote an app for the intel chip they haven't rewritten it yet if if they haven't rewritten it yet for the new apple uh, processors Rosetta will allow it to run on the Rosetta, on the uh, Mac processor, the new Apple processor. And normally something like that slows things down a lot. It's, it's just not noticeable. To right. Me. No. It's no, just, I, I, uh, no, try I agree. Hard, try as, as hard as I can to see if this thing is coming up slowly. It's not. Right. I mean, no. if I didn't know what this was, 
I would think, geez, uh, this must be native. So they've done a great job. Now, you and I both know that it just so happens that Apple as a company has had to go through a number of transitions of processors. This is their third processor transition. And they're, they've, they, they've, they've gone through a one big operating system uh, transition. And each time they pulled it off ahead of schedule and very well. And we saw their uh, sales in the last quarter, which were uh, you know, quite good. So, you know, I, I think that it, it's terrific. And given their philosophy, which is highly vertically integrated, now that they have not just their own silicon on the Mac, and they, all, they already had it on their other devices, um, but superior silicon, I mean, great silicon, which is only going to get better. There's probably going to be an M2. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, this is, this is just the beginning. Oh, absolutely. It's going to keep going. Right. Uh, they uh, uh, are pretty much uh, putting themselves in the driver's seat where they don't, uh, obviously they have parts suppliers and, and they certainly depend on factories in China uh, to assemble this stuff. I'm not saying they do every single thing themselves, but the, major tech components of their devices are under their control. They design them, they, uh, they don't make the chips, but you know, and that allows them to uh, work the operating system and the processor together they've been doing on the phones for quite a while well and, and that's the thing that most users i mean you know this because you you, you had um you know you had a long-term working relationship with, with with well not working relationship but you've covered steve jobs at apple for years and years he would he said repeatedly over and over again hey look, we want to own the whole stack and because we believe that that allows us to deliver a better user experience and i think if you would if 10 years ago which is really not that long ago if someone had said, you know, Apple is going to be using their own processors at some point, you know, to, to, to fulfill Jobs' vision of really optimizing the overall experience, I think most people say, what are you, crazy? Well, why would, it, why would Apple want to get into that business? And they have proven, at least with, the, with this initial announcement, that there are benefits. I mean, they just didn't do this for cost reasons. Oh, we can, you know, we, our ability to, to produce a processor is less expensive than Intel, so we're going to make more money. There's real benefits that come out of using their own silicon, you know, whether it's battery life, which you've talked about, other optimization capabilities that the average person might not know that are going on under the hood. So this has really opened up a brand new world. And I, I, I don't think anybody just maybe five years ago would have said, hey, something like this could happen. Well, I, I want to ask you a question yeah. uh, that, that comes right off this. Do you think watching Apple do this that any of the current Intel or AM, well, let, let's put gaming laptops aside, mm -hmm. um, any of the uh, business or consumer laptop makers, again, the ones we mentioned, Dell and, and HP, I mean, there are many fewer than you and I first, than when you and I first met each other, yes. uh, Lenovo, uh, any of them are 
But those, but those three are probably 70% of the market. HP, Lenovo, and Dell are probably 80, not 80%, right. probably okay. like 67% well, of the market. So let's use them. Those three. It, don't you think they have some team in their company right now thinking, first of all, they've torn apart these Macs. They've bought <laughs> 200 of them each and just torn them apart. They have hired some silicon experts to figure out this chip of course apple told a lot about the chip but they're gonna even go further and then have those people try to figure out would it be to our advantage to do this and is intel desperately trying to hold on to them i think the latter is certainly true i think the former is and and i cannot state that for as an absolute fact but I think that if I was still at an OEM at a compact, you'd have to be you'd have to be seriously trying to understand and comprehend what Apple did here. And um, the, the, the advantage, though, that Apple has that the OEMs don't have is that, you know, Microsoft still has very much a we have to treat every OEM the same way from an operating system standpoint. Yeah. You know, they produce an operating system and it's very difficult for Microsoft, no, no, regardless of what they tell you it's very difficult for Microsoft to say, we're gonna come up with a feature that Dell can exploit from a, from a process, let's go down to the processor level, from a processor standpoint, without that either annoying the other OEMs because, hey, we can't do that. We wanna have, want have a unique position. If, that's, if you're a PC manufacturer, you wanna be able to provide capabilities and features that the other guy doesn't have or, doesn't, or can't provide. Um, I think what's interesting, honestly, Walt, is that even Microsoft now has expressed some interest now going down the um, down the own path, their own path with their own silicon, and you know the the dynamics of the silicon business have changed pretty dramatically over the last ten years. Now you know the, the you know ARM proved that the ARM uh, um, uh, part of the market proved that you don't have to have big foundries, these billion dollar, multi billion dollar. Things that sit on the uh, that sit on the balance sheet of, of these companies like Intel, and you got to keep them running all the time at, at full capacity to keep the wafer uh, cost as low as possible. That has changed pretty completely now because Apple doesn't own foundries. I mean, they 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 offshore all of that work, you know. So I I will say that it's a much much um, more probable type of situation given what's happened here but i think the problem is the operating system you know if you and apple has control of the operating well, system maybe can, maybe nadella and his team in redmond uh, because they certainly have uh, uh, money and they have a huge research division and um they could afford i mean apple as you know got started on this by buying a comp a company yes a company whose specialty was power, a low power, mm-hmm. and because they were thinking of phones. Um, and, um, you know, Microsoft could either buy somebody or come up with their own processor and begin to offer the OEMs a processor and Windows. Uh, I suppose that could happen. I don't think it's going to happen immediately. It'll be years, but a few years at least, but they could do that if they made it. I don't, I, I have no information as to whether they've made that decision. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the answer to your question is I'm, I've been a happy customer. And I think if I were still being a reviewer, I would have given this a very strong review. 
I have not uh, spent much time with the uh, MacBook Pro that they brought out or the mini that you have. I just have spent more time with the Air. Right. Uh, and the Air uh, fulfills my needs. There are people who think that, you know, Apple is going to have to go to a touch screen, and that's another question. But um, uh, this uh, this processor seems like a success right. so far. Uh, they have a ways to go. Um, they they have to get the really really high end power machines on their silicon, and I know sure they have a game plan for that. And you know, we'll see. Uh, in the few minutes we have left here, I want to talk about your work on the literacy project because I know that's close to your heart. Certainly an important topic, an important area that um, people should care more about. But let's talk about that and your involvement in it. And, and what is the literacy project for those people who don't know? So the News Literacy Project uh, is 13 years old. And what it is is a, a, non, a, a, a strictly nonpartisan and nonprofit organization which um, is designed uh, to teach people the how to tell fact from fiction. It does not tell people what to believe or how to vote or any of those things. It just teaches you, okay, something is in your feed on Facebook, on Twitter, or you got an email from your pal and it's really exciting because it reinforces what you believe or it's, you know, just a, a, a sensational kind of thing. And your instinct instantly is to share it. And then it gets shared again and then it gets shared again and then it becomes part of the zeitgeist and people believe it, but it's not true. And what we do, what we have done for years particularly uh, well, since we've had a, a digital uh, approach in the last, uh, since 2016, is um, uh, give you the tools and the critical thinking to look at something and pretty quickly say, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna wait a minute before I share this. I'm gonna see, for instance, does it look fake? How do you know whether it looks fake, this photo? Well, there are tools. I mean, Google has one. It's a reverse, it's called the reverse image lookup. Right. You could take the photo, you can run it through it and in, in seconds, you could say, no, that is not this politician's rally where he looks or she looks like she's got million, a million people. It's actually a rally from the UK four years <laughs> ago when you know, Manchester United won some championship and this is the crowd. It's nothing to do with what it says it is. Or uh, we, we did one recently uh, def actually defending Ted Cruz uh, because somebody had said, uh, uh, somebody had posted a photo and said, this is a photo of Ted Cruz doing or saying something and it was not, was either misleading or false. Um, and we, of course, uh, you know, have, have done this uh, with, uh, with the right. We also, so we've been doing that in schools. 
with middle schoolers and high schoolers because it's easier to change the mind or to, to, to teach critical thinking to somebody in the 10th grade than it is to teach it to somebody who's 50 years old. But now we've made a decision in, in, in the last few months. I say we, I'm, I'm, in the, I'm on the board of this and I'm on the, what's called the executive committee, which is the leadership. Uh, we've made a decision that it's too important to just restrict it to schools. So we're making mm -hmm. a big effort in the general public. And we are, we have a podcast, we have a weekly newsletter, email newsletter, where we actually show you the, the biggest lies and mis, uh, misinformation of the previous week and why, and, and explain what's false about it. And um, so that's what it is. And I, I think it, it's actually uh, crucial to saving our, our democracy. Uh, I, I, I can't yeah. agree with you more. I can't agree with you more. I mean, it's it's to me shocking. And I, we, you and I were talking about this before. It's it's shocking to me how many people that you know in your whether it's your family, whether it's just friends that you've known for twenty or thirty years, and you believe the reasonable people, and they believe things at face value. You know, because for whatever yeah. reason, they see something on the internet, and automatically that's true. You know, and. And I understand that smartphones have created this kind of a, this attention uh, deficit disorder challenge that we have, that people just have taken critical thinking and thrown it out the window, frankly. But that work is important because a, a tremendous amount of misinformation is sent around on both sides, by the way. It's not one side or the other. It's on both sides. And well, we I don't really care what it, where it comes right. from. Mm -hmm. And we're being uh, our our, our in-school part, which is our traditional part. We've only recently begun to go out into the general public. Uh, but our uh, in-school part is used in all 50 states. It's used in 100 foreign countries. We're still pretty small. We have about 30 people. And uh, but we've we've tripled our our number of employees in the last couple of years and more than double our budget, uh, almost triple that. And we're growing very fast and um, we're being used in the big, three biggest school systems in the country, but we're also being used, I mean, a, an individual teacher in the middle of Wyoming, if he or she wants to incorporate our curriculum, which is all digital uh, onto the Chromebooks or whatever they're using iPads, whatever they're using in the classroom, can do this. Uh, parents who are doing homeschooling can use it with their kids. And it can be part of the English curriculum, part of the social studies curriculum. There's a lot of flexibility. We also teach the First Amendment, uh, uh, everything that's in the First Amendment. You'd be amazed at how many American adults don't know the, the five things that are in the First oh, yeah. Amendment and what they mean. Uh, and we're, uh, we're teaching journalism, which, what I mean by that is we're teaching people who may never be journalists or care about being journalists, what a journalist actually does if they're a good journalist. So there's exercises where you have to pretend you're a reporter. We create a scenario. We don't use, uh, real, we don't use Biden. We don't use, we didn't use Trump when he was president. Uh, we just make up a scenario 
it's a usually a local story and you have to interview the witnesses to the tanker crash on the highway or whatever it was and you know figure out well, what is this green chemical coming out of the truck and is it dangerous <laughs> to the community and, you know uh, uh, and they realize it's not so easy and they realize that you know how to how to judge things they also have to be an editor and they have to decide what to put on their website is it more important for their community to know that there's a genocide going on in in Myanmar or is it more important for their community to know that the schools are reopening in person on such and such a date well it's important for both but how do you what do you do you know right right that's what we're doing well, that's a, it's, it's such great work. And I think uh, the world is better, a better place because you're doing that work. Not because you're a Red Sox fan. I, I'll, I'll, I'll put that aside. I, I, understand. But, but, I, I, I very well understand that. <laughs> well, listen, well, thank you for your time. We really appreciate you spending your time. Such a, it was a great podcast. We covered a, a, a wide variety of topics. Uh, to the more uh, insights and strategy audience, please follow us on our social media, uh, media partner list. That's Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And uh, thank you, Walt, for all your time. We really appreciate that. And until next time, have a great week. Mm-hmm.